we're going to have a go at uh, simply discussing this question. We'll do our best just to express very gently some thoughts. Uh, we're not experts, uh, and we reserve the right to be not only wrong, but also maybe to be uh, something that we maybe five years' time go, did I really say that? But work, give a snapshot of where we are at the moment and try and answer some of these things, but particularly try and look at what the Bible says because that's what roots us as a church. Donald, oh. we've got the question on the screen. Yes. I was going to say, why do you want to talk about this? That might not be the right phrasing. Why are we talking about this this evening? Uh, uh, yeah, I'm very nervous about it, but it felt just an important thing to address. I think that throughout my life, I asked the question of myself, what does it mean to be a man? And one of the things that I feel increasingly, and I think the last couple of weeks was that stuff about Andrew Tate, it was back in the news, and listening to him being interviewed and him talking about God was giving him a, a message. I don't know if any of you saw that, what it's about. I, I felt that increasingly I come across so many people who are damaged by an understanding of what is perceived to, it is to be a man. So I come across men who are damaged because they don't feel they can live up to it. And I come across so many women who are damaged because it can sometimes be um, oppressive. And also in my own life, struggling to come to terms with who I am and recognizing that uh, certainly early on in my life, I compared myself to certain men and felt inadequate. Mm. And I joked this morning when you weren't here that we were going to, we had chosen the most masculine and the most feminine members of staff to do this, but I wasn't quite sure which of us was which. <laughs> uh, so I think that could be offensive to the whole staff team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, sorry, sorry. Um, I'm so aware of the pain for so many people of this subject and the strongly held views and I didn't put it very well at the beginning of the service, but I do want us to, 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 to frame this in the context of grace and of love and of listening and of understanding and hearing one another. Um, you know, I often quote it, but it's so pivotal. 1 Corinthians 13 was written to the church, not to a wedding. And if you have faith and the gift of prophecy and know all things but have not love, we are nothing. There are things that I hold gently that I think are my understanding, but if I have not love, I am nothing. And so I do want to say, sort of right at the outset, uh, that we, we may disagree. You may disagree with some of the things I say. We may disagree. We may disagree with some of the things Deb says, but we, we have to recognize that we learn by listening to things that are different to how we would understand things. And there are some areas where we can't be certain, and there are certainly things that I don't understand uh, as a man and as a particular generation and a particular way of being brought up. So it's all, I, I do want us to speak with grace and love and gentleness 
And I've often said over the years, there are so many things that as I've engaged with Scripture, it has changed me. And, as I've in, and, and there, are so, there are so many things that I know that 30 years ago I thought differently. And I don't ever want to get to a point where I say, I'm finished, I understand everything. So I do reserve the right to go. It may be that Scripture will affect me even more and that I may Hopefully. regret something I've said <laughs> uh, in time. So it's all... But the, why are we doing it? Because I see so many people damaged by caricatures or expectations around what it is to be a man. And then I added in the femininity bit because I think... Not in the same way, but I talk a lot to women where there is either the strong expectation of being a sort of militaristic feminism, shout out loud, don't do anything that would be feminine, even if that's in your personal nature, or that feel that they have to do certain roles which maybe doesn't come so naturally. So I think it does affect the whole, and, and people have been damaged by both. Mm. And cool. the expectations that have been put on both. Absolutely. So I didn't want it just to be for men. <laughs> Great. So we're going to so we do that first question, that main question, what does the Bible say about masculinity and femininity? Um, I want to do send in your questions. I've got the phone here. We've had one question. Okay, so we'll, we'll yeah, we'll try and answer what we can, and what yep. we can't, we won't. So shall I crack on with a little bit of scripture? Yes. Okay. So, um, I think there are some, some ground rules that I just want to establish that for some of us go, well, I knew that. And others will go, really? One of the things I always say, and you'll hear me say this so often, when we come to uh, understanding the Bible, we need to look at what is the intended meaning. What did the writers mean? And language and ways of using language changes from, we know that from generation to generation. We know that from text message to text message. What we think something meant isn't necessarily how people heard it. So part of understanding scripture is this search to get to what did they mean. And one of the first things that uh, I just want to point out is that um, the Bible, in its original language, uh, uses the phrases man or male as, uh, or he as pronouns to mean the whole of humanity. And that's just what they understood. That's just the way they wrote. Um, so there are lots of examples where you find that modern translations, so if you, if you learnt the Bible from an older version, you'll have seen it one way. Those of you who brought up on new versions of the Bible, you wouldn't even know it's there. Because scholars today go, well, that's the intended meaning was that these verses apply to men and women. But actually, literally, the way they are written is they talk about man as mankind. So I'll give you some examples. For example, uh, Jesus quotes the Deuteronomy. He says, man shall not live by bread alone. You may be very familiar with that phrase. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. But it's fully understood and intended that that wasn't about men only and that women have no need to, to learn or understand Scripture. And so your NIV says, people do not live on bread alone. But lots of us have got 
man in our head from our childhood. It didn't mean men, it meant humanity, it meant mankind. Now, you might want to say, well, why did they write that? That's how they understood, that's the way they use language, and language changes over time, but that's the way they use it. And there are another, lots of examples. Another of, factor in it is that most Bible translators were men, and so they didn't think, oh, this, it, you don't automatically notice, whereas a woman would think, oh, am I excluded from this? Mm. And so then they'd look deeper into it. Yeah, yeah. But the, the, the literal words are male. Mm. So, for example, uh, another one, this is Jesus talking, uh, uh, when he talks about separating the sheep from the goats, and he says, I tell you, you did it to one of the least of my brothers, you did it to me. Now, there's no way that Jesus meant that you, you uh, only by helping men are you helping Jesus. And so... The, the modern translations put brothers and sisters. So the key thing is, what did Jesus mean? And that's important. What is the, the text meaning? I'll give you one more of these. I'm the resurrection and life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And uh, the, the modern translations, the, the NIV, I'm the resurrection and life. Anyone who believes in me will live even though they die. So it's important to understand what writers meant. Okay? Now, then we move on from that, and it gets a little bit more tricky. It's not that that is sexist. It's just cultural. It's an understood convention. It's what did they mean. I'm going to drop this in, but don't really want to stand, because <laughs> it's a thing. But clearly, as we look in, in Genesis... The description of God making mankind in his image says male and female. So God is both male and female, but the Bible uh, invariably uses the masculine, says he. Rather than God being an it or a they, he's a he. But we'll look at the verse a little bit later, that God is the fullness of, uh, uh, we're made in the fullness of God, male and female. Again, that's a language thing, because in Portuguese you would call, there's a third person that you would call God, which is a bit like it, but it's not derogatory. Right. English doesn't have that, right. so we're a bit limited. Right, okay, <laughs> there you go. So, we do need to be careful in applying some scriptures to men only. We just need to be really careful about doing that because we need to be absolutely sure that that was the intended meaning. And we will disagree in this room. We'll have different points of view and different understandings about some of those verses. We're not going to particularly go into those controversial ones because I really want to talk about what masculinity is, but we're just kind of trying to lay a bit of a foundation. Um, but so, so uh, uh, one of the more controversial areas, and I've spoken on this before, and Deb and I... And, Kath and I did a Questions of Life. If you go and ask Questions of Life, you will find a Questions of Life, and we looked at this, uh, these passages much more in more detail. But uh, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Now, I personally don't think that means women are not to love their husbands as Christ loved the church. <laughs> I personally think that is what's called an example. He's taking something, he's applying it to men, but it's actually true for men and women. But he's going to say to the men, come on, guys, you need to do this. But that isn't saying women shouldn't do that. 
And that then occurs in, in a similar passage with the idea of submitting. And it's a bit more clear and easier in this because uh, verse 21 says, submit to one another, wives submit to your own husbands. And there are a number of places where it's clear that, that, that each gender is to submit to the other. That's the way we do, as Christ submitted to one another. But it's clear that women are encouraged to do that just as men are encouraged to, to love. I don't think these apply to men or women. And so we need to be just cautious when we say this verse applies to men but not women or this verse applies to women and not men. The important thing is that it says to love and to submit. Because yes. I think sometimes we get in such a tiz about this kind of thing. We say, I'm not submitting to anyone. Actually, it's telling yeah. us all to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you can't really love without submitting. And you can't really submit without loving. Proverbs has a very fascinating passage, a wife of noble character. And I thought, oh, this is the one, this is the, this is the verse, that, this is the passage. And as I looked at that uh, in much more detail over the last week, I was amazed at how a, a noble wife is described. As a woman, this is a passage that you try, you can try all your life to measure up to and you will always come away yeah. Failing, and so if you try, I mean, by all means, try and be this woman. Superwoman might be able to do it. <laughs> well, what's clear is actually this could be a description of a man, and many of the things that people say are what masculinity is. This is what is in mm. this passage, and I was amazed. So, for example, the woman provides food for her family. Now, I'm aware that I thought my job was to provide. Turns out it's both of us. That's so liberating as a man. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the Bible is saying we as come together in partnership to provide food. It goes on. There's a number of these. I've just picked out some verses. She considers uh, a field and buys it. She's in charge of the finances. Now, I thought that was my job. <laughs> Turns out that it isn't have to, has to be done by a male. She sets about her work vigorously and arms, her, her arms are strong for her task. And we'll come back to strength in a few moments. Do you have an arm wrestle? <laughs> but I couldn't find anywhere in the Bible that says women are gentle or weaker. I just couldn't find it. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. And this just underlines this idea that this scripture is about humanity. And just like some of the other passages we looked at apply to men, this is saying a woman, but actually this is about how human beings need to behave in partnership. This is about, uh, a lot of it is about married life. But it's not saying this is what the woman does and men don't do this. It's saying this is how good relationships work. And we, we extend our arms to the poor. That's not a male job or a female job. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. And again, in that questions of life that you see with Kathy, we talked all about uh, why we have women in leadership in our church. And again, I don't want to go down that road tonight because we've covered that before. And we have different points of view, and that's absolutely fine. But I was just struck again 
that within this relationship she's teaching. Uh, Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And in my masculinity, my beautiful looks are fleeting. (laughs) (laughs) They left when I was about age six. Actually, when I was 11 and I grew my hair long, that's the point they went. (laughs) Uh, But the point here really is that actually our identity and our culture, our beauty, is internal, not external. And we have oppressed men and women by defining ourselves by how we look, whether it's our muscles, whether it's our waistline, whether it's our height, our beauty magazines. It's that great song, a line from uh, Sunscreen. Um, everyone, you don't know Sunscreen song? Put your hand up if you know the Sunscreen songs. See, you need to Google it. Me. When you get it's not home, just me. Google the Sunscreen song. <laughs> There's a line in it: "Don't wear beauty. Don't buy beauty magazines that only make you feel ugly." That's good advice. The whole song is good advice mm. in the main. The sunscreen song. The sunscreen song. Okay. <laughs> uh, what, how do we get? Oh, yeah. So the point here is that definitions of masculinity or femininity around beauty enslave us because it doesn't last. And I can say that as an older, slightly older, not very much, just turned 40 person, that it doesn't last. And if I define myself by how I look, I am in real trouble. And I think that generationally that is applying as many, much more to men than it used to. And that's very damaging for men. Going on in scripture, I want to be as quick as I can so we can get on to some of the questions that people are asking. Bringing in the kingdom of heaven means pushing back the consequence of the fall. One of the things that happens after Adam and Eve have eaten of the fruit of knowledge of good and evil, and as they are to be taken out of the place of of the picture of heaven, Eden, one of the consequences, the curse, the damage that is done is death, is that work becomes difficult, but you have this phrase, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. This isn't how it was intended to be. This is what's gone wrong in our world. And as we bring the kingdom of heaven into this land, as a community, we want to create, uh, uh, prepare people for heaven. We want to bring the values of heaven. The values of heaven are not that one um, gender rules over another. God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. I referred to this earlier, male and female, he created them. One aspect, male or feminine, masculinity or feminine, one is not superior to the other. One is not more important than the other. This is who God is. And as men and women, we reflect that image. And we complement each other. We're made and designed to be in partnership. A woman is described as the helper, made out of the rib. And again, we need to understand what did they mean by the word helper, because we might say, well, that's quite a subordinate word. If I said, 
it's great to have you on the staff team. You're my helper, Deb. <laughs> we might feel that's a very subordinate thing. The Bible uses the word helper quite a lot. In the vast majority of the cases, it is God who is our helper. It's a, it's a, a word of equality. It's a word of being alongside. In fact, John, the word, if you know your John's gospel, when he talks about the Holy Spirit and he uses the word advocate, he is quoting the Old Testament and this word. The Lord is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemy. So women, men and women were created to be in his image. They were created to be partners. They were created to be helpers. But in the result of the fall and the damage, the, the things that have gone wrong, death brought, was, came into the world, sin came into the world. And part of that sin was an op the oppression of women by men, in my view, in my view. And therefore, we are to bring the, the values of heaven into church, into our community. Uh, so this is primarily about salvation, and maybe it's stretching it slightly to say it refers to more than salvation, uh, and I forgive me if you want to say that it doesn't. But there is this concept that when we are in Christ, something changes. We're not defined by gender. We're human beings loved in Christ. In Christ, there is neither male nor female. So bringing in the kingdom of heaven means pushing back on the consequences of the fall and of dominance. We are created to be partners, not enemies. So if I have a definition of masculinity, or if there's a, a definition of femininity, that pits one gender against the other, that's not what heaven is meant to be. It's meant to be in partnership not in one side trying to get above the other and put the other down and oppress and dominate or exclude or ridicule or humiliate or isolate or withdraw from. We're meant to be together, men and women. Uh, let me stop there if you want to ask questions before I go on to the, the, your next question. There's hundreds of questions come in. It's whether you want to do that now or whether you want to finish you. <laughs> Should we do this last question? Does yeah. this, does this, the last question we have planned, does it relate to any of the ones that are coming in? or do you? Yeah, there's loads. I'll gather, I'll, I'll fire them at you in no particular order. I don't think I'm <laughs> going to know the answer to any of them. <laughs> so keep talking then. <laughs> um, I think one of the other things that people ask then is, well, what is the difference between a man and a woman? And... This, has been, this is the root of, of what I've tried to grapple with. And uh, I think my own view at the moment is that there, are, there is clearly a difference between a man and a woman in, in terms of a physical difference. Um, but what do we think is masculine and what do we think is feminine? Now, this is where I'm going beyond what... The scripture saying, I'm just trying to understand how I think it might be, and I could be completely wrong. And you There's might. quite a few questions on, can you define? So this, we'll answer those. Okay, okay. I want to talk about a spectrum uh, of things that we might say are more commonly male 
and some things that we might say are more commonly female. But as we strive to be like Jesus, I think we will see that some of the things that we see, yes, these are more common in men, actually are good if they're in a woman. And some of the things that we say, yeah, actually women more instinctively, perhaps, often, are like that. But not always. But not always. But it's good for a man. And the thing what I really want to say is here is that we will be in different places on different things because I think if we're in the image of God, there will be bits of us that the world might call feminine. But we're male. Or there are bits of us that the world might call male. But we're women. And if actually I'm trying to be like Christ, I'm trying to model God, that's okay. So I want to say, I think, that we're all unique combinations of attributes that we might say are more commonly male or we might say are more commonly feminine. Now, I'm grappling to try and understand something, and you guys may understand it far better than me, and you may, and as I say, I may be wrong. So let me just explain what that might look like. So we might say commonly... That, that many men will be stronger than many women physically. However, some of you ladies could probably beat me at arm wrestling. <laughs> Does that mean that I'm not a proper man? Does that mean that I'm inadequate as a man? And I guess I want to set myself and all men free from that and go, yeah, all things being equal, there might be our time... But there will, be, uh, there will be plenty of women who are stronger than me. Because I'm actually quite a bit of a weakling. <laughs> this ties in. We just had a message in about uh, text. So you were saying you couldn't find anything about women being gentler or weaker. But there's that verse in 1 Peter. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Yeah. So this fits with the weaker. That, yeah, okay. And that's, and, and, that, and that's a lovely verse, but I don't think it means, women, you can be rough and bully your husband because he looks meant to be stronger, but he isn't. Mm. <laughs> it's a reversible thing. Yeah. But you're right, yeah. So there is clearly a physicality. There's, a, there's something going on there that is not meant to label us and make us feel inadequate if we're not quite the same or the best at it. Does that make mm. sense? Controversially, I'm going to throw out some others. Uh, I did read some years ago, men are from Mars and women are from Venus. It is not a biblical book. It's not a Christian book. But it did, I did find it helpful. <laughs> I did, because it explains some things in general terms that don't apply to every, every woman. Mm. Or every, but it did help me think, okay, that's why I do that, because there are times when I generally do things. Um, so one of the things I think it talks about is men want to fix things, and uh, women uh, just want to be listened to. They don't want it fixed. They don't want it sorted. They just want someone to share the difficulty. Oh, you don't interrupt with your fixing. Just listen to me. <laughs> I'm still on a journey of learning that. <laughs> but I found that helpful. But that doesn't mean that every man is thinking how to fix things. Mm. And there are plenty of men who are actually saying, I, I don't know how to fix this. Can, can we just sit 
and share this problem together. And that's the whole thing. That there are things that you might say, well, eight times out of ten, that's masculine. But two times out of ten, it isn't. And the problem is when we label those of us in different boxes and we say, oh, well, because you're like that, you're not probably male, or because you think that, but you're not probably female. I think that's incredibly damaging. Here go some other ones. So this is kind of, you know, maybe, and I, <laughs> I think you and I might be on the wrong end of the spectrum here without insulting you. Apparently, men have a detached objectivity, so they can see a problem and think rationally what the solution is. Whereas women are better at just listening and feeling empathetically how a person is feeling in a situation, I happen to think you and I might be on the wrong end of that spectrum. I was just thinking <laughs> as you were describing that, I was thinking, ooh. <laughs> in our staff team, we perhaps take different roles. Yeah. But, you know, you may disagree and say, well, that's not mine, but, but what I'm trying to say is there's two ways of looking, and both of those attributes are helpful. And the moment you start saying, you as a man can't be like that, or you as a woman can't be like that, I think we damage God's creativity within us and our diversity that, he's trying to cre that he creates. So another one is that men apparently are competitive and women apparently are collaborative. Again, <laughs> I don't feel very masculine. <laughs> Whereas you... Someone has asked us to have an arm wrestle, but because I am particularly competitive, I refuse. <laughs> you may disagree with these generalizations. Um, I'm just making the point. There isn't a definitive, this is what a man is, and you need to be it. This is what a woman is, and you need to be it. I can't see it. Mm. I can see generalizations which are helpful. Uh, <laughs> in for a penny, in for a pound. <laughs> in my understanding, generally, there is a difference in the way people, men and women, see things sexually. So for many men, physicality, Sexual desire is a physical thing. Not all men. And it doesn't make you not a man if you are not thinking about sex, whatever the, they say you're supposed to be thinking about sex. Was it? I don't know what they say. It's a very I mean, high you, percentage of time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm clearly not a man. It's, it, but <laughs> <laughs> it's just, anyway, it's, it's clear to me that men do think about sex a lot, whereas, and maybe I'm wrong, my understanding is women speak more, are thinking more about being loved and cared for and nurtured. And that is often why men are able to abuse women uh, emotionally and take something by promising that they love someone. Because there's different ways. Now, those are generalizations. And therefore, if we are a woman with a strong sexual drive. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with us, which is different. And if we're a man without a strong sexual drive, it doesn't mean that we're not a real man. But there is a helpful way of understanding that it, chances are that men and women will think differently about sex. 
And that's helpful in relationships, and it's helpful for understanding ourselves. And part of the thing that our culture is trying, I think, to push those two together sometimes mm. and to try and make women think, which again is, I think, a male thing to do, to try and make women think the same as men about sex because that would make it easier for men. Now, I might be wrong, but I think that's just a bit of a cultural mm. abuse that's going on. So, I want to say that it is good to be the person God made us with a unique combination of masculinity and femininity. And not to stereotype flower arranging or doing the finances or taking out the rubbish or cutting the grass or liking football or uh, knitting or all these different things. And then we're people. And when we try and say, I'm not providing, or I'm not strong enough, or perhaps my, my partner or my wife earns more than me, or has more qualifications than me, these things I think we need to get away from worrying about. Well, and like you said, you went through all those verses in the Bible. And it has examples for both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So generalizations help for understanding, but not for condemnation. And all of us should strive to start have some of the masculine and feminine characteristics. I think those of us some men who are very objective, we need to strive to be empathetic. We need to work harder at listening. We need to stop trying to fix everything. And sometimes just stay uh, in an issue. So I think that's uh, where I want to close my bit, and we'll take Try. I'll ask you some questions. I'll preface it as I hear the rain and see the rain outside. As a weak woman, I'd love a lift home. <laughs> as a weak woman, what? I'd love a lift home. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give you a lift home. Um, right. Um, well, I mean, some of these you have touched on. Do you think it's okay to be a macho man um, within the church setting? If that's truly who we are, absolutely. Um, I, but I spent a period of time trying to be that. Yeah. And I'm not. And so it's being who we are made to be. There's nothing wrong with, with being... Well, it depends what you define by macho. We were talking about this earlier. I do not think it is macho to carry a gun. Mm. It's just dangerous. I do not think it is macho to be aggressive. Mm. I think it's unchristlike. If we mean by macho, we mean strong, physically fit, able to lift, lift weights, uh, rippling muscles. Absolutely. If that's, if that's who God, how God has made you, my muscles don't ripple, my flabby bits ripple. <laughs> it's okay. It's good. If you, if, if you enjoy being at the gym and you enjoy doing that stuff, go for it. Great. What can we do as a church to combat damaging stereotypes of masculinity and femininity that exist in society? E.g. men not being able to show emotion and feeling less than for not being a leader, or women fighting against expectations of being submissive, so not feeling able to express opinions? I think that's a great question. I think that's what I wanted to do tonight, and to bring it out into the open and talk about it. And I think, I hope as a a leadership and as a staff team, we try and model partnership. 
partnership is really important. It's not one or the other, it's together. So what can we do as a church is model, is um, pray. I do think I would just be careful what our kids see. I would watch the magazines. Do we read magazines? We don't read magazines anymore, do Probably we? Probably more films, the films programs, series. The, <laughs> the, the social media. You know, the stuff that Andrew Tate was saying and some of these alleged influencers, male and female, is pretty toxic. So I think we should talk about that to, to our young people and just challenge some of the things that they are presented with online. And how can we as a church celebrate stereotypically feminine qualities, e.g. being caring, gentle, diplomatic, nurturing, when throughout history, masculine traits have been deemed as of more worth? I hope that's what we're trying to do. Uh, I hope that's the way uh, we as a leadership have led the church over the last few years. Um, I mean, if we're trying to be Christ-like, caring, gentle, he's described as those things, isn't he? Absolutely. I, I, I think that the concept of domination and oppression is so ungodly and unchristlike. It cannot be the way churches should behave. So getting to actual relationships where we're chatting to someone, how can we advise and support women who have been oppressed by other women or men? No, sorry. How can we advise and support women who have been oppressed by other women or men who are oppressed by other men, especially when it's based on how feminine or masculine they are? So I guess because we talked about men can oppress women and potentially vice versa, but what if it's... I think that's a, big, it's a good question. It is Often, a... It's more women that challenge me on my... What, what's your answer? I think... A large part of my, so it, when I'm confident, it's confident in who God has made me. It's not what the world tells me I should be. I'm, you know, we were singing about it. He loves me. He values me. Me, Deb, who I am, not some image of some perfect model that I'm not. <laughs> And so, and I want to use what he's given me and made me for him. So I want to be me. So for me, I would say, figure out who you are and be you. Don't try and be, either way, don't try and be some ultra feminist that refuses to look after their kids when actually you're a very nurturing, gentle, and don't try and be, beat yourself up because maybe your husband's more nurturing than you are, because it's great. He's nurturing. Encourage him. Try, obviously, look after your kids. I'm not mm. saying neglect your children, <laughs> mm. but be who God made you to be. And I think a lot of our self-confidence, a lot of our problems comes from things like social media telling us we're not good enough, whatever it is. I think, absolutely. I think I want to encourage people to try and be like Jesus. Mm. 
full stop. Don't try and be like a man. Don't try and be a woman. Try and be like Jesus. And as you say, what part of Jesus, what gifting has he given us? What skills and qualities and passions has he given us? Mm. And and let's let's be like Jesus. Mm. And And seeing everything through the cross, you need that humility of... In a sense, he does value me, but at the same time, I'm not worth it, but he still died for me. Mm. So you've got the humility, but you've also got the confidence, and the two together, I think, mm. it's very important to not get overbearing, but also because you are aware of your brokenness, but you're also aware that he died for you and he values you and he wants to use you. Can I go into the thing we, we thought we might be asked, and I just want to say, I don't know whether we have been asked it, but I just want to say this very gently. I think that the more we are able to, to um, say that there isn't a definitive, this is what a man is, this is what a woman is, the more compassionate and gracious and gentle and listening we can be with those in our community who are uncertain and struggling about their gender. That we don't look at that with condemnation, but maybe perhaps as a culture, we have created this pain, this pain and this confusion by trying to say, this is what you have to be, fit in with it. And that there are folks going, well, I don't fit in with that, so what am I? And I know that it's challenging and difficult and painful, but we need to walk with people who are hurt by the pressure that has been put on them to think of themselves in a certain way. That doesn't mean to say that people uh, need to go on journeys of change necessarily, but just for us as a people to be gentle and compassionate. Because someone sent in Galatians 3.28, there is no longer Jew or Greek, there is no longer slave or free, there is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And then they say, do we waste far too much time debating gender roles and stereotypes? Are we not all equal in God's eyes? If so, then should we just seek God and not the world's desire to label, stereotype, and divide? Which goes with what you just said. Yeah. <laughs> um, someone said, I think it's really important that we model and talk about this with children. As a teacher, I hear children repeating what they see and have heard through social media from influencers and from their heroes. So it's out there whether we think they are or not. This one's a bit different. Having many friends in cultures with traditional gender roles, my experience has been an underlying confidence, contentment, and general happiness experienced by both men and women in their roles in the community and their place in the world. Here in the UK and in other more progressive cultures, I have seen ch- such underlying confusion and pain in people of both genders. People often don't seem to know who they are. Do you think this could be down to blissful ignorance, or could there be some element of alignment to design giving peace? I would just say it'd be interesting to know if this person was a man or a woman, because having grown up in a place with traditional roles, I think I have quite a different... There, there is an element There was an element of happiness and contentment that I think we don't have here in the sense of mental health. And I think when we grew up there, there was a lot less social media. It is changing. My sister's just come back from there and she says mental health is 
exploding and the people our age don't know what to do with it because it didn't exist when we were younger. And I think what's come is social media and all of that. But what I would say is a lot of my female friends have been trapped in not good relationships, were trapped from a very young age because they suddenly had children that, and they, had, they didn't have the recourse, whatever the word is, to get out of those or the freedom to or the ability because they were in those traditional roles. So I don't know. I view it a little bit differently. <laughs> but I'll let you say what you want to say. Do you want me to read the...? Well, uh, I, think it, I think a lot of this is cultural, and we do recognize that we live different cultures, and one of the glories of this community and this church is to bring cultures together and learn from each other and the strengths and weaknesses to the different cultures. I think that a culture... The problem with our culture is not so much that we can... I think the bigger problem with our culture is we judge by appearance. So we've created masculinity and femininity around beauty mm. and strength, and I think that's really damaged us. Uh, I don't think it matters who cooks, who stays at home with the children, who earns more than another. That Proverbs 31 makes that pretty clear that it doesn't matter. And I think if our culture is that in the general way we do that and we're happy with that, that's great. We've got to recognize that there will always be exceptions. There will always be people who go, that I don't feel this. I mean, I'm, I, a lot at the moment, because lots of you know that my mum died recently, and a lot of the time I think through the prism of my mum. So uh, prism, not prison, prism. Just tell you a little bit about the thing about my mum is that she was a very, very clever woman, exceptionally clever. She went to Edinburgh University and came first in the whole of Scotland in her subject. What happened? What <laughs> happened? No, I'm saying, Dan. It skipped. <laughs> what happened is that she met my dad and decided she wanted to have children. Mm. And my grandmother was furious that she wasted her degree. Uh, are you getting dripped on? Sorry. I'm sorry. I think somebody's going to have to go with a cagoule and... Uh, There's seats on the front row. <laughs> um, yeah, so she gave it up because she wanted to have children. And she, my, my grandmother had been a very very, very feminist, and, and uh, my grandmother refused to cook or do housework because that was what men expected her to do, so she refused to do it. And then her daughter gives up this academic career. She could have been a lecturer in order to have children. Now, she actually went on to lecture when I entered secondary school, 30, 25 years or 20 years later. The point is she was happy being who she was. Hmm. And you may say, well, she was happy because she was doing something traditional, or she was happy because she was... Um... No, she was just happy being who God made her to be. Mm. She was very clever, so she went to university. She wanted to have children, so she gave it up. That's my fear, is that sometimes we go so far the other way that we make women feel like they shouldn't stay home and look after kids, where actually, that's a really important job. If no one stays home and looks after the kids, then we're not going to have the next generation. Yeah. Um, someone's got to. Yeah. Um, and some people absolutely thrive off it and mm -hmm. love it. 
but that's partly of boxing people in. Um, will there be gender in heaven? <laughs> I think so. Because I think heaven is Eden. We'll be male and female together. I think so. I may be wrong. I think so. Because we all know each other. I think so. What do you think? I don't know. I was talking today with Ted about what it's going to be like in heaven. Because <laughs> mm. I was saying, what absolutely amazes me is, it's not only that we're going to have all different kinds of people there from all over the world, or, you know, it's a new earth with, all, you know, perfect bodies, all that kind of thing. We're going to be together with people, like with the Saxons and the Romans and the... It's like all different times as well. And so then I was saying, well, we don't know what our bodies are going to be like. Maybe they'll be tiny. Maybe we'll all be like borrowers, and that's how we'll fit on the new earth. <laughs> <laughs> so I have no idea. I don't spend too long worrying. I think yeah. it'll be great, whatever it is. Exactly. <laughs> we won't be in conflict. Um, it does say we won't be married, and Jesus said, yeah. didn't he? So there's yeah. going to be something a bit different. Um, uh, our cultures and sexism mutually exclusive, or can cultures be sexist? Are cultures and sexism mutually exclusive, or can cultures be sexist? So I, I would say that the result of the fall is that humanity is sexist, and that will express itself in different damaging ways in different cultures. And the duty and job of the church is to fight back and overturn sexism. Okay. Last question. I think I might, some people sent in multiple questions and I decided to go through them all and now I can't think which ones. Um, so I might have missed them. Um, but here's a question. Uh, is, is it weakness if men have weak mental health? Are you able to call them a man? It is not weakness. This is, I mean, it gets to the real heart of it for me. And, and, and seeing so many men struggle with this. It is not weakness to say, I'm not coping. It is not weakness to cry. It is not weakness to be anxious. We, if we need help, um, we all need help in different ways. And some of us are able to vocalize that, and some of us aren't. It's not weakness. At, at, if nothing else we go home from tonight, it is not. We all need help. We all need support. We all got struggles. And there are many men who are too frightened to say, unless, you know, that you will be aware that suicide amongst men is far higher than amongst women. And that's because of this toxic masculinity. I'm not allowed to say I'm struggling with this. I'm not allowed to say I'm frightened. I'm not allowed to say I'm worried. And the majority of men who take their own life, nobody had any idea that was going to happen because they didn't say anything to anyone. We have to end that. And that is the problem with saying, this is what a man should be. It's so damaging. And um, 
you know, I, I, I find it very difficult to cry. I don't cry. I can be with my mum and take the funeral and I don't cry. That's not heroic. But I suffer from mild anxiety over things. You've seen me before a service. If you see me trying to go back and check that I've shut the front door. Uh, we all struggle in different ways and we've all got different things that we would, would, would say. And um, sometimes I wish I could cry more, but I'm just not wired that way. Yeah. Or something's damaged me. I don't know which. Uh, but but I, it is okay to. It is okay. And you remember, you will know this. So I went a good 25 years without crying until Shrade, my last dog, died. And then I couldn't stop crying for about 10 days. And I, I came we didn't into know the, what to do. I came into the staff meeting, and it was the day after England had lost the, uh, Euro, Euro, the, the uh, Euros. Euros. And somebody said, oh, Donald, you look sad about the football. And I just said, uh, I've lost my dog. And I burst into uncontrollable tears. I couldn't stop crying. And it's weird because that's so unusual for me. Um, does it mean I'm not a man? One Jesus of the most wept. manly men I know is my dad. But I think I've seen him cry probably more often than my mum. <laughs> I've seen my mum cry talking about things she loves, but not in a sad way. Whereas my, mm. I've seen my dad cry mm. quite a lot of times. <laughs> it's worth just saying on this, and I'm going to say it. And I've said this so many times, but I'll say it again. When the Bible says, do not be anxious, it is not a command telling you you're wrong to be anxious. It's a reassurance that God's saying it's okay. We're not to live under condemnation that we're anxious. We're, live, we're to find the hope that God says, that which you're anxious about is going to be okay. It's not a sin. Do you want to pray for everyone? And then I have one last question for you. Oh, okay. Let's pray. Father, we, we commit to you all that we've said. That which is unhelpful, may it be forgotten. That which is helpful, may we hold on to it. I ask that you'd set every one of us free from stereotypes that are damaging. Help us to really be who you made us to be in your image pray that Christ's implant in us would be evident. That we would be gracious and compassionate, gentle and strong, weak and faithful, wise and empathetic. Pray for any among us who struggle with this, feel labeled or unworthy or not good enough. Pray that you would bring your healing. Pray for those of us who are fearful or hurt by the opposite sex. Pray that you would bring restorative relationships that help us to be partners, not enemies. We commit all of this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So your last question. If you could be the opposite sex for the day, what would you do first? <laughs> Oh.
Well, I don't know the answer to that because I don't think. <laughs> what would you? I answer? definitely know what my answer would okay, be. Okay, what's your answer? I don't. It's not appropriate. It's rude. <laughs> <laughs> I'd go wee on a tree trunk or something. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been envious of that ability of men. <laughs> Having grown up in the bush where there weren't many toilets. <laughs> I cannot think. <laughs> Not because you? I don't want to be, because everything that I would em want... You can do. I would aspire to be able to do. Mm. I remember growing up thinking, I don't want to be a man that can't cook. Mm. I mean, you can't have a baby in a day, so that goes out the window. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't regret that aspect. <laughs> I think it's amazing that we're able to make another human being within us. I mean, I know you need a bit of help, but not very much. <laughs> <laughs> OK, yeah, no, I would like to carry a baby. And just to feel that that... And not have to give birth, so just the day. No, not the birth bit. <laughs> so just the day. I'm going to think of that in two in the morning, think what the answer will be. I don't know the answer. Hmm.